Hello and welcome to John Cook Ministries podcast. I'm John Cook. I'm a retired Baptist preacher with over 50 years in the ministry. The purpose of this podcast is to present the Word of God as being just as relevant today as it was in the day it was written. Well, I want to welcome you back to our continuing study on just a thought on the book of Revelation. Today's study takes us to chapter 8. And in chapter 8, we're going to look at what God's environmental plan for nature is. Is it preservation or judgment? What should we be doing today as Christians? I mean, we live in a world which is constantly talking about save the environment. Of course, the only environment they're interested in is the air and that sort of thing. The environment of the wickedness in our world, nobody seems to care about that. But we as Christians certainly should care. We're going to see in this chapter how God is going to unleash his judgment upon nature, all the gods of men, and how he's going to attack those gods and prove them powerless against his power. We're going to see God's power in place of Mother Nature's power. Of course, in reality, that's what we see anyhow. When we see the the storms that hit, that's God's power. When we feel the earthquakes that hit, that's God's power. When we see the or hear the thunder and see the lightning, that's God's power. Of course, man equates it to Mother Nature and wants to claim that it's Mother Nature's power. But we're going to see that God is the one who's all-powerful, not nature. Nature is simply the servant of God. Now, let's look at Revelation chapter 8 and verse 1 and see what it says. Let me read it to you. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Now, the he that opens the seventh seal is the one spoken of in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5. Let me read that to you. One of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the rut of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. So the lion of the tribe of Judah is the lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who has the authority and the ability to open these seals. Now we come to the seventh seal. We've already gone through the first six. And we've gone through the tribulation period once. Now he opens the seventh seal. And when he opens the seventh seal, the Bible says again in Revelation chapter 8, And verse 1, there was silence in heaven for the space of half an hour. Just consider the effects of the opening of this seventh seal. The normal in heaven is rejoicing and praising God. Look at Revelation chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. Let me read that to you. Says, and the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night. Now you get that? Day and night they rest not, saying, Holy, holy, holy 
Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts gave glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying thou art worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created so we see the norm in heaven is rejoicing and praising God before his throne shouting glory honor praise to the one who sits on the throne but not now, not in Revelation chapter 8 and verse 1, for now there is silence. Could it be the silence of shock at what's about to happen when that seventh seal is opened? Nobody really knows. But one thing we do know is that God tells us in the book of Psalms 46 and verse 10, says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. So there are times when we are to be still and know that he is God. We find in Luke chapter 10, verses 40 and 42, the story of Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus. Lazarus, who was raised from the dead by the Lord Jesus Christ after being in the tomb four days. So here he is in the household of Mary and Martha. And Martha is rushing about. The Bible says she was cumbered about much serving. She comes to Jesus and complains about Mary. Because Mary is sitting quietly at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teachings, listening to what he has to say, just enjoying his presence. Martha comes and says, Dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve, her, to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Jesus answered to Martha was, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Jesus said, Martha, you're busy. You're busy in your service for me, but your problem is you're not considering what's the greatest need, and that's to be quiet and sit and listen. Enjoy the presence of the Savior. Sometimes we get so busy about the service of God, especially as pastors, we get so busy about the service of God that we have no time to sit down and just read the Bible for what it says to us personally. And the danger to that is we end up backslidden and not right with God because we've chosen that which is not the important. The important is take time to sit in silence and listen to the Savior. Enjoy his presence. And that's what we do when we go to the word of God. Then when we come to verse 2 of Revelation chapter 8, let me read that to you. 
And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. So here we have the seven trumpets given to seven angels that are prepared to take these trumpets. The sounding of these seven trumpets is going to take us through the tribulation period once more. The belief is, is that the sounding of these trumpets could take place at about the quarter mark of the tribulation period. But of that we can't be certain. But of one thing we're certain, they will sound in God's given time and at God's appointed time. The first time we find trumpets mentioned in the Bible is in Exodus chapter 19 and verse 13, where the scripture says, when the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. So the purpose of the trumpet at that point was for the gathering of the people to Mount Sinai to hear the law given by God. The scripture then says in verse 16, it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Notice this trumpet call that came from the, from the Mount Sinai brought terror to the people. They trembled. We find other times in Scripture where the trumpet is sounded. For example, in Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 9, we read that the trumpet of the Jubilee was to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month in the day of atonement. God says, shall ye make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. On the day of atonement, there was the decree of liberty throughout the land. Then there's the trumpet of war, the trumpet of defeat, if you will. Look at Joshua chapter 6 and verse 20. It says, the people shouted when the priest blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall of Jericho, that is, fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city of Jericho. For seven days, they had, they had marched around the city once. On the seventh day, they marched around seven times. The Trumpets sounded, the people shouted, and the walls of Jericho came down, and the people went straight into Jericho, and the city was conquered. There are various other calls of the trumpet in Israel. Calls, there was a certain sound of the trumpet to call the elders. There was a certain sound of the trumpet to call for the assembly, as they did on the Mount Sinai. There is a certain call of the trumpet to determine the marching order of the tribes of Israel as they went out of encampment. Now, here we find there are seven trumpets. Seven is the number of perfection in Scripture, but also it is the number by which God deals with Israel. So we're reminded again, this is the time of Jacob's trouble. Not the church, but Jacob's trouble. Then we come to verse 3 of Revelation chapter 8, and listen to what it says. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him 
much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. This is in the temple in heaven. This golden censer held the incense and the coals of fire from off the altar, from off the golden altar, which was before the, in the tabernacle, it was before the curtain that divided the holy place from the holy of holies, the place that only the priest could enter, that is the holy of holies, once a year, and that with the blood of atonement for himself and for the people. Here we're told that that golden altar sits before the throne in heaven, and the angel who comes and stands at the altar takes the golden censer There's given unto him much incense, the scripture says, that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar before the throne. These are the saints of the tribulation found in chapter 6 and verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So here's the prayers of the saints the tribulation saints under the altar in the temple in heaven and they're crying out for vengeance to be taken upon those that have troubled the saints of God now they've prayed for that and now we come and we find that their prayers are coming up before God as this angel takes the golden censer and presents the prayers of the saints before the throne Now, not only is it the prayers of the saints in the tribulation, but the prayers of God's people down through the centuries that have cried out for God to take vengeance on those that defile his blood and defile his name because the Lord's name is holy and righteous and just. This golden altar as we've said, that stood before the Holy of Holies in the mercy seat in the tabernacle and in the temple. Now stand there is seen standing in heaven. And in Revelation chapter 8 and verse 4, it says, The smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. So here that angel is offering up to the Lord the prayers of the saints crying out for the Lord to answer those prayers. Notice these prayers are to the Lord, not to Mary or some saint. In fact, the only prayer to a saint in the Bible that you find is found in in the book of Luke, where the rich man in hell, I believe it's Luke 16. Let me look it up here. Yes, it's in Luke chapter 16. says, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Now, he had a good life in this world. 
But there was a beggar named Lazarus. He wasn't, he didn't have as good a life. And here was the rich man ends up in hell and the Lazarus ends up in paradise in the bosom of Abraham. And we find the rich man in hell crying out in verse 23 of Luke 16. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, you see, he's praying to Abraham, not praying to God. He's praying to a saint and he's crawling out for mercy that Lazarus would take and dip the tip of his finger in water and cool his tongue because he said, I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham goes on to tell him, can't be done. So his prayer to the saints didn't work out, and neither will yours. Our prayers are to be addressed to the Lord, to the God of heaven and earth, to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will. And we're to pray before the Lord. And our prayers, the Bible tells us in Psalm chapter 141 and verse 2. Let me read that to you. In Psalm 141 and verse 2, he says, Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So our prayers, the psalmist says, should be lifted up before the Lord as incense, a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of God. In Acts chapter 10, verses 2 through verse 4, we find a fellow named Cornelius. He's a Gentile. He's praying to God, and God sends an angel to him. And the angel says, Cornelius, Cornelius sees that angel and was afraid, said, what is it, Lord? And the angel says to him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. God remembers our prayers. A memorial is something that reminds us. It's a reminder in our lives. Well, our prayers before God are a reminder before the Lord. He remembers them. Nothing's forgotten that we've prayed for, but our prayers are remembered. That's something we need to keep in mind because sometimes we don't feel like that God's heard our prayers, but he has. They've come up before God as incense. Now, these prayers that have come up before God tells us that prayer is our privilege. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. So we're supposed to bring our prayers before the Lord. Prayer is a, is a privilege that we have. But not only is it a privilege, prayer is a responsibility that we have. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17 tells us, pray without ceasing. That's a responsibility. That I, listen to what it says. Pray without ceasing. says, you pray without ceasing. He's talking to the Christians. He says, you pray without ceasing. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8, let me read that to you. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Don't doubt God. Don't get mad at God because you think he hasn't answered your prayers because you think he doesn't care. In Psalm 32 and verse 6, the scripture says, For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters... They shall not come nigh unto him. What are we praying for? We're praying for preservation when we're faced with the floods of 
temptation in our lives. Pray for preservation when we're, fla- when we're faced with the floods of, of opposition in our lives. When we're faced with the floods of unbelief on the part of our own flesh. But he says, those waters will not come nigh you. When we pray, it prevents our doubting. It prevents our being conquered by temptation. It prevents our being conquered by the the tribulations that come our way. So we're to pray. It's our privilege and our responsibility. This brings us to verse 5. Well, in verse 5, he says, And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. Now, that's an amazing statement. Listen to all of that. There were thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. When the answer to the prayers of God's people towards this world and its wickedness are answered, it's going to be a terrible time. Notice in this scripture that the angel takes the censer fills it with the fire of the altar. Now, this could be the golden altar or the altar of sacrifice, the brazen altar. But he takes the the fire off the altar, the fire of judgment that's going to fall on this world. The vengeance of God is going to come. It may not come in the time you want it to come or I want it to come, but it's going to come. So this angel puts the fire into that censer and he casts the censer to the earth, and there are voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. This is the answer to the prayers of God's people, particularly the prayers of God's people in the tribulation who have lost their lives in sacrifice to the Lord. There's an old saying, prayer changes things. Well, the prayers of the saints is going to change this earth in the Lord's time. And that's a certainty. When we send up prayers before God, those answers may come back in judgment. That's a solemn thing for us to consider. I know how tempting it is for our flesh to pray for God's vengeance upon this world. But what we need to pray for is for God's mercy and grace upon the lost man to get saved. Because it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This fire that's taken off the altar and placed in the censer, and cast to the earth. Well, that's the fire of God's judgment. Luke speaks of that in Luke chapter 12 and verse 49. Let me read that scripture to you. He says, I am come, this is Jesus speaking, I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it be already kindled? The Lord didn't come to unite people, came to divide. The Lord didn't come at that point but to send fire on the earth. The fire of his judgment is going to fall on this world, and you need to be ready to meet God. John the Baptist spoke of the, of the baptism of fire in Luke chapter 3 and verse 16. He says that he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Both of those baptisms take place. The first takes place on the day of Pentecost. The second is going to take place when God sends his vengeance upon this earth. The scripture goes on to say there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. The first time you find thunderings and lightning mentioned in scripture is in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 18. Let me read that to you. 
Exodus chapter 20 and verse 18 says, And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. So the first time that these thunderings and lightnings and the sound of a trumpet happen together in Scripture is at the giving of the law. And it's such a fearful time that the people say to Moses, you go talk to God. Let God talk to you. We don't want him to talk to us. You tell us what God wants and we'll listen. And Moses said the reason for it was that they might gain the fear of God in, before their eyes. We as Christians in this day and age have a tendency to believe that there's no reason for us to fear God, but there is. When we get outside of his will, when we decide to live for the world, we need to always keep in our minds the fear of God that will keep us from sin. Then in Exodus chapter 9 and verse 28, the people say, entreat the Lord. It's enough. We don't want any more of these thunderings and hail. Or then the second thing that happens, then we find these lightnings and thunderings happening to, before Pharaoh's eyes in Egypt when he's told to let the people go that they might serve God. And he refuses. So God sends mighty thunderings and hail. And Pharaoh calls for Moses and Aaron and says, let's stop this. I'll let the people go. You see, those thunderings and lightnings had to do with judgment on Pharaoh. And by the way, Moses is present both times. So this tells us that the, the one of the two witnesses in the tribulation is Moses. Not only are there thunderings and lightning and voices, but there is an earthquake that takes place. In Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 6, Isaiah prophesies this. Thou shalt be visited of the Lord of hosts, he says, with thundering and with earthquake and great noise and with storm and tempest and the flame of devouring fire. Earthquakes in the Bible oftentimes speak of God's judgment, but they also speak of God's moving in power. At the cross in Matthew chapter 27, verse 51, the Bible says the earth did quake and the rocks rent when Jesus gave up the ghost. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. We also find it in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 2. At the tomb, at the resurrection, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. He didn't come and roll back the stone from the door so Jesus could get out. He came and rolled back the stone so we could get in and see that Jesus was no longer there. He's not here. He is risen, the angels said. We find this lightnings and thunderings and, and voices and a great earthquake at the coming of the Lord. It is second coming to this earth. Let me read that to you in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 18. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city, 
was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. This is when the Lord comes back to this earth. And it's such a great earthquake that the great city, that's Jerusalem, is divided into three parts, and the cities of this world are demolished. And Babylon comes before God in judgment. This speaks to the fierceness of the wrath of God that's going to fall on this earth. The question is, will you be here to experience this judgment? If you're lost and without Jesus Christ, you will most certainly face the judgment of God. But Christian, we will witness this judgment from heaven's shore. The location, whether we're witnesses or whether we are experienced in this judgment, is all determined on what we do with Jesus Christ. The Bible says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Friend, without Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will not escape. Come to him today and cry out to him. The jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And the apostle Paul's answer was simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. The jailer believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and was saved and all of his house got saved just like he did by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can get saved, if you will, by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. As we come to the conclusion of this part of our lesson on the first five verses in Revelation chapter 8, I want to say to you who are saved, this is a comfort to us that our prayers are and will be answered by God. They are never forgotten. They come up as a memorial before God. Well, till our next lesson, we pray that God will bring you to saving grace if you haven't gotten saved and that he will bless you if you're a child of his. Till then, God bless. Hey, this is John Cook again. Thank you for listening to the John Cook Ministries podcast on Just a Thought on the book of Revelation. Now, before you go, how about take some time and leave us a comment or maybe a prayer request or what question do you have that we might be able to answer for you? Let us know how we can help you. And don't forget to subscribe to the John Cook Ministries podcast. And you will get the next lesson just as soon as it is released. Well, we'll say goodbye for now.